You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Luke chapter 2. Let's get in this word. I'm excited about it. I really am. Uh, What a song. That song we sang a moment ago uh, about uh, love has called my name. And we talked about love already in this series. We've, We've discussed the fact that love is something that we need to fill up with on Christmas. Joy is something we need to fill up with on Christmas. You know, I fill up with a lot of things on the holidays. I really do. I love food. I mean, it's just, it's borderline, you know, I I confess every now and then that sometimes it gets in the way of of me being fully surrendered to Christ. I I just love to eat. In fact, I don't think there's a day goes by, sweetheart, and you might need to, I might need to repent of this, but I think every single day of my life, you get a text message or a phone call that says, what are we having for dinner? I think so. That's every day. I mean, I think about it at about 1 o'clock. I'm like, man, I'm hungry. I wonder, what are we eating, you know? And uh, that's just the way it is around our house, you know? Maybe it is yours too. And, and, and Christmas is even, and Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays, it's even more special. We've already got Christmas lined up. We know what we're eating for Christmas. It's already been scheduled. We've already got the day after Christmas when we're having our family over uh, for a special celebration. Already got that meal lined up. Food becomes somewhat of a very important menu, uh, item on our, on our schedules, and we fill up with it. We fill up with it, and it can become oftentimes the focal point of even the holidays. What I'm suggesting is that we fill up on, on love. We fill up on, on joy, God's presence. I feel full of joy when God's presence is revealed in my life. I feel full of joy when God's provision is experienced in my life. I feel full of joy when God's grace is real in my life. These things that we've been talking about. This morning, I want to talk to you about filling up on peace. Now, in the text uh, in Luke chapter 2, we have verses 1 through 14 is this beautiful Christmas story that we often read during Christmas. We sang my favorite Christmas song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I love that song. And uh, we, we see much of that here in this text. Luke 2, 1 through 7 talks about the birth of Jesus. And then Luke 2, 8 through 14 speaks about the great, phenomenal, angelic announcement about the birth of Jesus. And then Luke 2, 14. Can we start with that last verse this morning? Look at it here. Glory to God in the highest. Here it is, church. And on earth, peace. Peace. Would you, would you say that with me this morning? It's on the screen. You can look at it. Say it with me together. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace. Goodwill toward men. Wow. Peace. It's a fascinating concept. What the angels are telling us here in the text is the outcome of the incarnation of Christ. The outcome of the birth of Christ would be peace on earth earth. It's not speaking about peace necessarily on the planet. It means peace in the hearts of the people like you and I who have been deeply impacted by the reality that Jesus came into this world. It's a real thing. It's something that we celebrate during this time of the year in a way that is, is incredible. And we often are, are introduced to different scenes during this time of the year, like the nativity scene, which gives us a picture of what maybe that whole, uh, you know, what the whole vibe of that uh, moment would have been. And I think it's been oftentimes wrongfully painted, pictured, or expressed 
in that nativity scene because most nativity scenes, it's, there's beautiful dress, there's glowing faces, everything looks perfect, the hay even in the stable is perfect, people are smiling. They're, they're, it just seems like there's this serenity moment in this barn where Jesus was born. So let me give you this big thought, because I think that may be a little deceiving. The big thought this morning as we begin the message on peace and filling up with peace is that Jesus came to regular people who were overwhelmed by the challenging and difficult circumstances and brought peace to overcome that pressure. This is what we want to start with this morning, is that Jesus came to regular people like you and I. He came to overcome the challenging These people were overcome, rather, by challenging and difficult circumstances, and he came to bring peace to overcome the pressure. You see, peace is the antidote to pressure. And and right now, I already know that in this room, there's a lot of pressure. I just know that. I mean, you don't pastor a church for 30 years and and work with people for 30 years and and deal with in conversations, even this morning already, as people left the 9 o'clock service. Man, I mean, multiple people, pretty much everyone who talked to me said, man, I needed that. I've got a a lot going on. And they always say this, especially during the holidays. I mean, just, just pressure. Life is oftentimes full of pressure. I know that even now, this morning, right now, I'm sure, I I know our family is like this. Sometimes my wife will already be texting some of the family about, get this ready, get that ready. When I get home, put this in the oven, put that in the oven. I mean, the Sunday meal for about 25 to 30 people at the Capace family's house every day, it's a lot of pressure. I I, I see it. I feel it. I I, I know it's there. And and, and it it usually falls on on Carol Anna. She organizes that. I get it. And you've come this morning, and maybe that's already on your mind. Maybe there are things about this afternoon that have already put you in a place where you're sitting here trying to focus, but there's this pressure of a Sunday meal coming up in about an hour, and it's already invaded your space, and you already feel a little bit of that difficulty already creeping in. And so what I want to do is this. I want to ask you a favor. Would you give me 25 to 30 minutes in the Word with you this morning? And at the end of the message, I want to give you a Christmas gift. You probably won't be able to guess it. It's not a traditional gift, but it's, I think, the best gift you're going to get this Christmas. And I want you to listen closely, and I want you to just start this morning with me on the pressure part, on the stress part. Let's get, how many are forgetting the bad stuff out of the way first? Amen. Let's just move this stress and pressure out first. Let's find out what it is that causes pressure. At least for me personally, I know this. There's three things that I feel pressure when these things are in my life. Number one, I feel pressure when things happen suddenly. Anybody with me on that? Come on now, 1145, 1045 crowd. I got to say, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, they got you this morning. Come on now, 1045. Give me a little feedback here. You can tell I brought some enthusiasm to church this morning, all right? Feed this a little bit. All right, here we go. I'm just having fun with you. So, so you know what I'm talking about when I say suddenly, right? I mean, when all of a sudden, things are smooth, things are good, things are great, there's no problems, and then, bam, out of nowhere, something happens uninvited. Everything's going good, and all of a sudden, I called my wife this morning to verify this, because we had, I kind of asked her to walk me through it, because about three weeks ago, we had this day that just started off right, because it started off with the Bible and coffee, and that's right, amen, right? 
I mean, when you've got Bible, and let me just say, coffee kind of helps the Bible a little bit, I think, uh, for me. And, and I get that going, and I'm feeling like today's going to be a great day. And then all of a sudden, it crashes and burns. We, we have a flat tire. And then we have a, a, a lost key fob for the Honda that she drives. And we have to rush to Little Rock to get the new key fob uh, for the car and to get the flat tire fixed. So it's, it's, you know, it's got a nail in it. So we got to get up there quickly, get this fixed. And it's all covered under our little insurance policy thing that we got when we bought the car, right? So we get up there and to make a long story short, none of it works out. Uh, the key fob can't get, you know, keyed up into the car and the, 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 the flat tire can't get fixed. And, and, and we're waiting there forever. And nobody's coming out and talking to us. And what turned out to be a beautiful day where we were going to spend the day in Little Rock and have fun together, crashed and burned all of a sudden out of nowhere. Bam! I mean, a, a newer car is not getting serviced correctly at a professional place. Can I tell you something? That may seem small, but most of us have experienced something like that in the last seven to ten days. Just something not working out the way we thought it would be. Something starting off good, and then all of a sudden, a problem. And pressure builds up when things happen suddenly. I feel pressure. When things happen suddenly. I'll tell you another time I feel pressure, when things happen frequently. When they happen not just suddenly, but they happen frequently. Like, you know what? I've got a string of days going here where it's just kind of, it's kind of coming on. And it's just over and over and again and again. They just keep adding up. I, I, my brother uh, preached a message here in the summertime when uh, our air conditioner was down. And he preached it in the cafeteria it was one of those messages that probably if you heard it, you remembered it because it was on that subject of depression. Maybe you were there. And Brett very uh, articulated uh, with Scripture and, and life experience a little bit of what had happened so frequently in his early days of pastoring. My brother pastored a, uh, was asked to be a pastor of a church in Las Vegas, the largest Baptist church in the city. And that's a big city, and it was a very large church pre-COVID. It's obviously a lot of larger churches suffered during COVID, but it, it was 3,000 people. And he becomes pastor of that church, and within a week, he had to deal with a previous pastor embezzling almost a million dollars from the church, and two affairs by two staff members in the church, kind of switching wives. That's always fun to deal with. And uh, difficulty. I mean, he had three or four devastating things happen. In fact, I remember the day he called me and said, I, I can't preach this Sunday. I, I just need somebody. I, I, I have not been able to study. I'm just dealing with problems. And Eric, they just keep rolling in. It seems like one after the other. He said, man, I, I, what I signed up for, I had no idea what I was getting into. And so I just bought a ticket, flew to Vegas. You probably didn't know what all the details were about, that I wasn't there that Sunday, although I do oftentimes post folks uh, up on the prayer line. And by the way, please forgive me for that being down. That's been a nightmare. We're still trying to get that fixed. But uh, I, I, I just remember the difficult, and that partly is why my brother struggled at times with, in, in, especially in the early days of his ministry, with what he spoke on, depression. And so I believe this morning that, the, that, the, the, that peace is the antidote to those things. It's the antidote to the little pressures in life that build up and cause us to be stressed out. Listen, church, I already know you're connecting with me here if, if you experience at all these little pressures in life. And they get the best of us sometimes. And we can feel stressed out. Does that ever happen to you? Do you ever get stressed out or just overwhelmed by the pressures of life? Little things that happen frequently? 
And then I feel pressure when things happen continuously. Not just suddenly, that's a one-time thing, or, or frequently, that's maybe a few days in a row, but then just continuously. It's like, man, this is happening often, like almost every day. As a pastor, can I tell you, that's, that's my testimony. As a pastor of a church that has a school and a college and, and, and a busy campus, there hardly is ever a day goes by where I don't get a phone call or an email or something. It's just kind of a continue. It's part of the package of just being a business owner maybe or being a pastor, being a doctor, being uh, a, a mechanic. You deal with things day after day, day after day. Chaos kind of invades our lives continuously. And it was the same way in the Christmas story. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse number 3. It says here, actually, I I skipped Luke 2, 1, didn't I? Let me go back to Luke 2, 1. Notice here the Bible characters and and, and how many uh, of of the kinds of things they went through are the kinds of things we go through. Let's walk through this together. Verse 1 says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So you see here in this text, you've got a, a leader who puts out a decree because there's a financial crisis in the kingdom. And he was trying to build a budget for how much revenue the, the, the empire, uh, his empire, would need in order to pay the bills. In fact, in our own city, if you check out the, the Sentinel record ever, you'll find that oftentimes the front page of the paper, there's news that water rates are going up, taxes are going up. They're going to charge us more because of maybe mismanagement of money or because it's just things are costing more, so they've got to tax the citizens more. It, it's the same now as it was then. Here you've got a situation where everybody everywhere needed to register so they could find out what is our tax base? How much money are we going to be able to bring into the kingdom? So Joseph, no doubt, this could not have happened at a worse time for Joseph. Here he is, his fiance is great with child. She's pregnant. And he's already dealing with a lot of pressure regarding that whole episode. And he's dealing with a lot of emotion regarding that, right? And now he's dealing with having to go to a city, uh, his hometown, to pay his taxes. Because look at verse number 3, or or rather, uh, verse, yeah, chapter 2, verse 3. All went to be registered, each to his own town. I mean, it wasn't that they got registered in the town that they lived in. They had to get registered in the town they were born in. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this building, you don't live in the town that you were born in? Raise your hand. That's me. That's 90% of the building. So again, think with me for just a minute the chaos in the story. They've got to go register in the town they were born in. So this story is building up. And Joseph goes up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, not because she had to go. There wasn't some law that said Mary had to go. I'm sure Mary said, I'm not staying here, eight, eight and a half months pregnant. I'm going with you. And so she went with him. She was with great child. These things were just piling up, happening frequently. Notice in verse number uh, Chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, I kind of did this for your benefit. I just put all of this on the screen. I want you to see all the chaos in the story. Again, we oftentimes approach Christmas with this lighthearted, very casual, you know, everything's fine. It's a beautiful scene. Can I tell you, church, it was anything but beautiful. We come into this Christmas story seeing a decree going out. The world needs to be registered. Uh, All went to be registered. Joseph had to go. To be registered with Mary. She was with child. Next one. 
And, and, and time came for her to give birth. She gave birth, swaddling clothes, a manger, no room in the inn. I mean, registration, reservations canceled. They, they had to keep watch over their flock by night. The angel appears. The glory of the Lord appears. They were filled with fear. This story speaks of not only sudden and frequent, but it also speaks of continual pressure. As we continue to read through the story, there are regular people giving, going through extraordinary circumstances just like you and me. I want you to know that inside of this Christmas story is regular people that are feeling the same thing you're feeling this morning. Pressure, struggle, concern for what's going to happen next. My finances, my job, my family, my kids, my marriage. And it seems as if during the Christmas season, it compounds even more. And oftentimes when we come to church, we don't come, hey, we're, we're one week out of Christmas. And I don't see all smiling faces. I'm sure that this morning it was tough to sing some of those songs and really sing them from the heart. Why? Because of this thing called pressure. Because of the difficult circumstances of life. And so this morning, I want to introduce you to peace. Notice how the story changes. In verse number 10 of Luke chapter 2, it says, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You're going to find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. So let's get to the peace part. I feel pressure when things happen suddenly. I feel pressure when things happen frequently. I I feel pressure when things happen continually, just like in the story of Christmas. But this morning, I feel peace. When? Well, first of all, peace is interesting in the the Scriptures. It's a a powerful word. It's used three different ways and, and three different meanings. And I want you to see all three of those this morning laid out even in the Christmas story. I feel peace, first of all, when I experience conversion. Now, that, that's peace with God. Has anybody ever said to you, have you made your peace with God? Have you ever heard someone say that? I remember growing up uh, as a Christian, getting acquainted with Billy Graham and hearing him preach. And I used to watch him on television. And oftentimes, in fact, he wrote a whole book called Peace with God. And, and oftentimes in his invitation, he would say, if you've never made peace with God this morning or this evening or tonight, make peace with God. God. What he meant was this, is make Jesus your personal Savior. Take Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross as payment for your sin. Peace with God. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And and how do we do that? It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. That phrase, peace with God, is used in Scripture, meaning it's the opposite of wrath. Peace with God is the opposite of conflict. Peace with God is the opposite of war. This is the ultimate purpose of Jesus, to establish peace on earth with God and man. To reconcile God 
and man. And oftentimes it has to start with you and I recognizing what the bad news is. Sometimes preachers are really good at giving the bad news. It's part of our profession. It's part of our job. It's kind of part of what we have to do. Like a doctor. A doctor's not worth being a doctor. I don't, I don't care for doctors that aren't willing to give the bad news. It's part of it. It comes with the territory. Oftentimes a doctor has to walk into a waiting room and say, in a loving, caring, compassionate way, if he's good at it, it's cancer. It's cancer. Sometimes he has to say, it's your heart. We need to do further tests. I'm concerned about a lump. And so we get that bad news. But church, let me recommend to you this morning, understand this, that good news is not good news until we first understand the bad news. And it is the bad news that makes the good news good. And so this morning, we have to face the bad news. We're all born into this world with a spiritual disease called sin. And if you say this morning, man, I'm a little offended by that, Pastor Capace. I'm really sorry you're offended, but it's true. And I have to bring this message to you this morning that we're not just born into this world with sin because of our behavior. We're born into this world separated from God. That's the bad news. And the Bible says we need to make peace with God. And we do that in a conversion experience. It's a moment in our lives where we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus. When you recognize you have a sin problem, you embrace what God has prescribed for our solution, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the solution. Romans 5, 1, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Jesus Christ died as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. He paid the sin debt that we could not pay for ourselves. Amen. That's peace with God. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. And you can have peace with God, but it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by being a good person. It's not by being religious. It's not by just praying a prayer. It's not by just going to church. For years, this is what I thought it was, growing up in religion, growing up in, a, in an environment where I actually went to a man and confessed my sins and prayed to that man to forgive me of my sins. And, and it was such a nerve-wracking, pressure-packed time in my life when I was striving to be better and to do good and to be perfect. Why? So that I could go to heaven. And I had no peace with God because I was trying to save myself. But when you let go of that, when you accept the fact that you cannot save yourself, in fact, Galatians 2.21 says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Christ died for nothing. Christ died in vain. It's what Jesus freely offers that has to be received. It's not what you can do. It's not keeping the law. It's not... Being perfect and dotting every I and crossing every T. How does this happen? It happens by faith. Therefore, Romans 5, 1, since we have been justified by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We need to have a conversion experience. Peace starts with this. Without this, there is no peace. You must make 
peace with God. And let me ask you a question as simply as I know how to put it. Have you made peace with God? Have you made peace with God? That's where peace begins. Have you had an experience of conversion where you've entrusted the forgiveness of your sins to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? That's peace with God. And I have peace and feel full of peace when I have peace with God. And this morning, I, I, I can rejoice in that knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've made my peace with God. I've had that conversion experience. And it was a life-changing moment for me, like it was for Zacchaeus. It's a life-changing moment for me. And it has not ceased to impact my life greatly. Everything started with that moment of conversion when I made peace with God. Number two, I have peace when I experience not just conversion, which is peace with God, but I have peace when I experience covenant, which is the peace from God. Now, it's interesting that almost every epistle begins with this. Almost every epistle. Galatians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 Corinthians. It all begins with almost every one. With grace to you and peace from God. Grace to you and peace from God. Grace to you and peace from God. The peace from God is descriptive of a covenant relationship with God. Notice in Romans chapter 1 and verse 7 where it says that to those in Rome who are loved by God, call to be his saints. You've made peace with God. To those of you who have made peace with God, you are called his children. I am, we sang this morning, a child of God. Well, if you are, I want you to know something. Grace to you and peace from God. Peace from God. This here is, is an incredible passage here because it's, it's the peace more like the Old Testament concept of shalom. We went on a trip to Israel and we heard that word often, the word shalom. Noted in Proverbs 16, 7, uh, in that way, it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at what? Peace with him. It's a relational peace. The peace from God affects every relationship that you have in life. It affects the relationship you have with your enemies. It affects the relationship you have with your family and your wife because God, our King, longs to see His servants getting along peacefully with each other. That's why I love coming to church and being in a church that is in one accord and where there's unity in the church because almost every one of Paul's epistles starts with grace to you and peace from God. How are you doing? How's your day? Peace be with you. There's a, there's a relationship there. There's something going on that's connectivity. It's, it's a greeting that we give to people. Peace from God. It's complete shalom. It's the state of well-being provided by the Prince of Peace. This morning, I, I want to bring that to you as your pastor. I want you to be able to leave this morning experiencing, three Sundays ago, the love of God, the joy of God, today the peace of God. I pray this morning your experience at church is one that rejuvenates and revitalizes an area of your life that you can be connected to God's people in relationship and experience peace from God. It's the sense that I'm living in a covenant relationship with God because covenant is so much better than contract. Covenant is so much better. Contract is I'll do A, B, and C if you'll do X, Y, and Z. That's what contract is. 
But covenant is, I'll do A, B, and C if you don't do X, Y, and C. And that's God. You know, it's interesting. When you, when you go to purchase something, like if I go to, I, 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 if you purchase anything, a car, a house, you sign up for something, they put a contract in front of you, right? And it's, it's just so overwhelming. Have you ever bought a car where you read every word of the contract? Or do you just sign the papers like me? I sign the papers. I mean, you ever bought a house where you, 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 you sit in this room at a, at a title company and it's overwhelming? I mean, they're putting these papers, sliding them across the desk and over and over. Sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. Can I tell you, even at, I, I have a little gym out in the village. Even, I have a contract for you. And it's detailed. It's, you got to read, if you read the whole thing, it'll take you 15 minutes just to read the contract. What I usually just say is just initial them. Just trust me. And nobody's ever read it. They just trust me. It's a relationship. You know why people join the gym? Because they like me. Yeah. I leave my gym every day if I'm working out there. Uh, not every day, about two days a week I go out there. And I, I leave. I, I always say, hey, love you guys. I, all my gym members say, love you too. Well, how does that happen? How, how, how do people that, that go work out tell people they love? Well, it's relationship. It's why love ought to be real in the church and alive in the church. It's why we ought to be getting along because we have peace from God. It's a relational God. It's shalom. It's, it's, it's something that God desires for all of us to have. It's a covenant relationship. Because of the goodness of Christ, we enter into a covenant with Christ. Because you've made peace with God. You have this peace from God. Some days are going to be good. Some days are going to be bad. Some days you're going to be committed to Christ. Some days you're going to be not so committed to Christ. Some days you're going to be fired up for God. Some days you're going to be not so fired up for God. Some days you're going to be, you know, going forward for Christ. And some days, if you're like me, you're going to be backslidden. You say, well, I've never been backslidden. Well, man, I wish you'd join my party. That's just being real and being honest. I mean, sometimes I'm just not as spiritual one day as I was the last day, which means for that day, I wasn't going forward. I was struggling that day. And you say, what did God think about that? Well, God loves me. God has a covenant relationship with me. And sometimes when I don't do A, B, and C, he still loves me. He cares for me. He takes peace with God, that's conversion. The peace from God, that's covenant. God is always the same exact way towards me. And it's almost overwhelming to even think about. And then thirdly, I feel peace when I experience confidence. And that's the peace of God. What is the peace of God? Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I'm never going to have my own translation. Uh, don't worry. But if I did, let me tell you how it translate surpasses all understanding. For me, it would be this. And the peace of God, which blows your mind. That's what I would put there. I know it's not probably a true, uh, you know, Greek uh, meaning there. But for me, it just blows my mind. The peace of God, it surpasses all under. It doesn't make sense. You can't figure it out. You can't look at someone going through a difficult circumstance who has given it to God, has the peace of God. It is, it is overwhelming. It is awesome to watch. It's an awesome thing to have the peace of God. It surpasses all understanding. The peace of God is the calm assurance that what God is doing is always best. The peace of God. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I have something guarding my heart. 
That's Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is a real thing. Look at Colossians chapter number 3 and and verse number 15 on the screen. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ have its way. Guard your heart. Don't let anything interfere with the peace of God. It's readily available. It's freely offered to each of us. How many of you have experienced the peace of God? You know this. You understand this. Just in your heart, think about that for a moment. Because if you have, it surpasses all understanding. I can think of time and time again in our marriage, in our child rearing, in pastoring this church, and just dealing with the chaos of life, and dealing with the Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through nines of life, where it just, it's just crazy. It just, it's overwhelming. And, and you can't imagine how you, you would be able to get through that and still, and still have your sanity were it not for peace with God, peace from God, and the peace of God. It's real. And I want to give you some practical ways to help you understand peace at every level. And these three things will help attach to you this concept of, of having peace. Number one, write down this word, acceptance. Acceptance. We would know more peace with God. We would know more peace from God. We would have more peace of God if we would Understand this word. In other words, accepting the fact that I'm a sinner. Just accepting that. I'm a sinner. Can I tell you, I have actually, and you may have too, talked to someone and approached them about everyone has sinned, and then this comes out of their mouth. I don't know if you've ever experienced it. I know I have, and I'm sure some of you have. I'm not a sinner. I've never sinned. Can I tell you, for you to have peace with God, you've got to accept the fact that you are a sinner. There's no other way around it. Just accepting the fact that every day is not going to be a great day. It's okay not to have a great day. Every day is not going to be a great day. It's okay. Just let yourself have permission not to have a great day. Accept it. That day was not a great day. We just, we agreed today as we reviewed it. That that was a bad day, honey. That definitely didn't go the way we wanted it to go. That just crashed and burned. Sometimes things just don't go the way we want them to go. Accepting the fact that God is in control. We've had to accept the fact that we have a special needs child. It's just something that God's given us. And at first, yes, it's chaotic and it's crazy. And you, 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 you're praying things that, that uh, you know, like, like God changed this, reverse this. You're, you're, you may think it's cool, but you're praying, God, help her to be like the other kids, normal. You say, I can't believe you said that. Well, sorry, walk in my shoes. This is where you get sometimes. It's confusing. It's chaotic. But then there comes that time where you just accept it. This is what it is. And then you realize, man, it's been easier to raise glory in than the other four. This isn't so bad after all. I'm just going to accept this. And when we accepted it, everything began to change. The way we looked at it, the way we viewed it, peace is accelerated with an honest acceptance of things as they really are. And we need to accelerate peace in our lives. One reason why we're struggling with it is because of this thing of acceptance. I love the song, and I have it on the screen. Would you sing it with me a cappella? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. 
What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Don't miss this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Isn't that true? We forfeit peace. We forfeit peace. We, we, we needlessly bear the painstaking days of life because we're not willing to accept the fact that God has put this in our lives for a purpose. Let's just take it to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there in prayer. God allowed this. God has a plan. I don't fully understand his plan, but I accept it. We would have more peace if we would allow that word into our thinking. Acceptance. Number two is the word focus. The word focus. This is such an important word when it comes to having peace. Peace with God. Peace from God. The peace of God. Look at Colossians 3.1. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. If you're like me, sometimes I just need to quit thinking and, and quit wasting my time worrying about things and thinking about things that are not going to help me. I'm just wasting my time on the what ifs. Uh, what, if, what if this happens? What, what, what if this doesn't go well? What, what if, what if I, uh, this doesn't happen in my finances? Or what if Christmas isn't as good as I wanted it to what, what if, what if, what if, what if? As opposed to focusing on what is. What is? There's so much more that God's done, and I take my eyes off of Christ, and I begin to focus on what's not instead of what is. And God has been so good, and that leads me to my third thought, and that is gratitude. That's what is. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, don't miss this, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude will bring about peace in your life. Peace floods into the heart of gratitude. Someone who is grateful for what God has already done. Not always focus on the what isn't, but gratitude is remembering what is. What is. Sometimes I tend to focus on what isn't. I tend to look at the negative instead of the positive. All of us are probably connecting with me on this. But think about how good God's been. His provision. His, his power, his plan for our lives. And if we would just take a moment right now and focus on that and, and accept the things that God's put in our lives as for our good, we would begin to be grateful for all that God has done in our lives. What begins with peace with God and grows into peace from God between us and others matures into the peace of God within us. Jesus Christ, the Son, born, child-given Prince of Peace, is the one who makes all of this possible. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. 
and he brings peace to all of us this morning. So what I'd like to do is give you a Christmas gift. Now, I know you're thinking, man, is it going to be wrapped? Maybe is it going to be tangible? What is this Christmas gift that he's talking about giving us this morning? This Christmas gift that I want to give you this morning is two minutes of meditation. Are you let down yet? You discouraged about my gift? It's the greatest gift you've received all Christmas. We're going to do it together. We're going to experience peace together as a church family. We're going to do that by focusing this morning on making peace with God. Have, has anybody here never made peace with God? If you have never made peace with God, I want you to know I would love to take a moment after this service and, and talk to you about how you can do that. Share with you the gospel. If you are ready to make peace with God, we want, we want to talk with you today before, the, before you leave the campus. I've got somebody I'm already in this building, and you know who you are. We've been talking about that. And I believe you're so close to accepting Christ, and I'm praying for you. Maybe this morning will be the day you accept Christ and make peace with God. And then peace from God and the peace of God. We can do that by focusing on those words, acceptance and focus and gratitude. And so in just a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to bow our heads and just we're just going to meditate. And while we're meditating, would you take just a moment and accept some things that God has placed in your life? Just accept them. And while you're accepting those things, would you focus on Christ and focus on things that are above where Christ is? And then thirdly, would you begin to give gratitude and thanksgiving for how good God's been to you? He's the Prince of Peace. He brings peace this morning in the middle of our chaos. It's no different than the Christmas story. The nativity scene wasn't as put together as you think it was. Just ordinary people trying to navigate their way through the difficult circumstances of life because of the peace of God. Let's bow our heads, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's take a moment and take advantage of this Christmas gift called meditation on the peace of God of God from the Prince of Peace just in silence let's talk to God let's listen to God the Prince of Peace